Welcome to the Marvel Events Timeline, the podcast that takes you on a journey through Timely, Atlas, and Marvel Comics, one event at a time. Here are your hosts, Travis Bowe and Brian Lockhart. Welcome back to Marvel Events Timeline. I'm Travis from Real Comic Heroes. And I'm Brian Lockhart from the Marine Corps Movie Minute. Oh, man, we got a big one today. Yeah, a hot one, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I can just, can you feel the tension, the the hatred, the yeah, the fire and water, the original enemies? Yeah, yeah it, na- natural enemies, if you will. Yeah. yeah. It's the, um, it's the County Monte Fisco versus the Master of Disaster. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, yeah, and the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Marvel's first android versus uh, Marvel's first mutant, I guess. Although yeah. Although it's not, not technically a mutant yet. <laughs> it hasn't been declared one yet. Right, yeah. But yeah, this, this is a big one because this is the, this, this kicks off the Marvel Universe proper. Uh, because I think when we talked about Marvel Comics number one, that was, you know, obviously that was a big one because of uh, the introduction of these two main characters. But this is where, you know, the creators got an idea of, hey, we got something here. Let's uh, let's let's team these guys up or or, or make them fight, really. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, with the modern, you know, Marvel MCU movie, you know, uh, shared universe or uh, cinematic universe has become such a... a common phrase now everyone's trying to build these these shared universes that kind of starts here um i and until we started getting into this i did not know that these two characters meeting in this event is the first time any comic book characters from separate stories had met um i would have thought it would be superman batman but uh, apparently they don't meet in the comic in a, in an actual story together uh Superman and Batman don't meet until it's in Superman number 76 from 1952 Oh wow that's some yeah. time yeah that that's yeah. that's a long ways I would have I would have never guessed that um I mean I knew this was an important issue or milestone but I did I'm with you I did not know that this was what kind of kicked off a shared universe yeah. And I totally would have thought Batman and Superman would have been the the first because it always seems like Timely Atlas Marvel was always playing catch up to right. DC Comics, you know. They're a copycat. Um totally. hey, what, yeah. what are you working on? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I I didn't but kind of knowing the situation and I think we discussed it a little bit earlier um last episode about Funny Zinc, you know, these guys were basically in a in a small studio together just producing a comic as is with with really you know they were their own editor their own you know writer and artist and they worked together and they had worked together for a while so it kind of made sense that they probably collaborated just being in that kind of situation and you know one of my (laughs) one of my notes i said like they they knew they had something here with fire and water and as as you read through it's like you can kind of tell they knew the whole fire and water aspect was a thing you know it's it's kind of funny um so yeah, this this and it's it is kind of funny that you mentioned you know the MCU because there, there's a you know as we go through the the issues, I kind of do feel like it kind of follows that same formula of the MCU. It's like well, here's a standalone, um, you know, say comic instead of you know movie sure. like Iron Man was a standalone, and all of a sudden it's like hey, there's a hint of a bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, this kind of kind of happens in this comic. I mean, and it's so early on. It's like it's like the very beginning of comics. I mean, they were basically inventing comics and comic book in the comic book industry, like right in these last you know few issues. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, this is um, this is. I mean, so technically, I guess you know we were talking offline too. Like the crossover is is you know Marvel Mystery Comics issues eight through ten, but technically it kind of starts uh you get you get you get a hint that something is going on with issue seven so um, yeah they they do a good job i think of laying the groundwork for in issue seven of like something's happening that you know uh more so in the namor storyline correct yeah there's there's a tease there's a tease for sure yeah and so it's sure. worth it's worth talking about um so you know so i i guess you know if you kind of go back through like the encyclopedias you would see like well eight through ten is kind of the you know the official crossover, but I I, yeah. I will say it's it's you know it's Marvel Mystery Comics seven through ten. You know it's it's what May May through August of nineteen forty uh, when this kicked off. But you know I guess I guess before we get into the you know the main event, you know uh, the heavyweight championship title that we're about to battle discuss, of the century, right? Exactly. How did we get to this point? Like I you know since since we. Did Marvel Mystery? I mean, well, actually, it was just Marvel Comics number one. I did go ahead and read the next issue, uh, but honestly, I kind of just jumped ahead to issue number seven. <laughs> it's, so, it's fine, Brian. I did the homework. I'll okay. let you copy my notes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, uh, what, what did you get for number seven? <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll cut all of this out. But right now, I'm going to tell you everything that happened between issue two and seven, and then that way you know what's going on. Um, but we can cut it all out later in in the edit, so listeners won't, won't won't be bored with all this detail that's coming up. Well, I appreciate that too because I don't want to okay. look like an idiot in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure you won't forget to edit this out. <laughs> all right, yeah, making a note. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm gonna do some recap of I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, even though like each issue you know has a torch story and a namor story and then you know repeat every issue um i'm gonna stick with human torch throughout issues two through seven kind of do his storyline kind of what happened with him just um just some majors uh major like character development moments um just the big stuff i'm not gonna talk about every single you know plot element of of each story uh same with namor but i'm gonna stick with one character to, to you know how do they get to the point where they're uh, going to be at odds with each other so uh, I'll kick off with uh, issue two and and the first like page of issue two kind of does a recap of Marvel Comics one the the human torch story that we we talked about before um, just a little bit of uh, it shows torch it shows uh, professor Horton and uh, and then you go to the next page and it's uh it's this uh, two people are in the stands of an auto race. Uh, they're in the grandstands and a woman's reading a newspaper and she's talking to the stranger next to her. And she says, uh, I say it was an awful crime for the torch to burn up Horton's home and kill him. Perhaps it was his own fault, ma'am. He saw possibilities of making a fortune for himself. Obviously, the torch didn't approve. That was not in the papers. How did you know? And then you find out that she's talking to the torch, like in his civilian identity or, or whatever, which he doesn't even have at this point. He's just a, a man in a suit and hat. The, the major thing here is that 
Professor Horton died at the end of the like, <laughs> off screen. Um, yeah, that, that was I, I didn't the one... get that from from reading the first issue. No, I, th- I think he burned his house. We knew that, but I don't think it was it was apparent that he was dead or even burnt. Even burnt. I think we no, because I, I mean, just, yeah, through like throughout <laughs> the almost every issue with the torch, he's always burning a hole through the wall to to escape or whatever. Oh boy, uh, and that's does how he. he that, <laughs> yeah, so that's how he leaves Professor Horton's house in the first issue, you know. But it doesn't leave you with the 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 sense that that caused his house to burn down and kill him. So uh, just uh, totally weird. I think that, that they killed him off panel um, and, you know, they killed him in a recap, which I just thought was really strange. Yeah. I would have thought he would have just like told, you know, torch, you know, cause obviously you want torch to be on his own, I think. Um, yeah. But I don't think what Horton did in those last few panels of, you know, Marvel <laughs> comics, number one was anything worth, uh, you know, it's you know, like so evil that he had to die. You know, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have just, yeah. you know, just said, "Hey, Torch, I'm sorry, I have to go back to my planet now." And then he just, yeah. you know, gets yeah. out of frame. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, the this this story, like, there's someone, someone in a plane is like chasing after these race cars and trying to destroy them. I don't know what the scheme is, but every time, like, all these race cars are catching on fire, and of course, Torch is there, so it looks like he's the one burning these cars and whatnot. So it's a weird issue, but uh, uh, the only reason I kind of bring it up is is when the cars are on fire, Torch like flies in, and it says uh, the Torch whirls and lets out a long weird yell. And it, I'm not gonna try to do the the noise that he makes. It's like Yiru. And then the next panel, it says, suddenly the flames and smoke disappear completely. Ah, those flames know their master's voice. So oh, that's okay. a, a, like a new power that he, like Torch can control fire that's around him. Like he, you know, he can make it uh, dissipate. You know, the, the few times that he does, he displays this power. It does. It makes the comment that he lets out a weird yell uh, when he does it. So. I'm disappointed you didn't put more emphasis into it. Like, yoo-hoo! <laughs> yoo-hoo! Uh, Maybe that was uh, going to be it, his battle cry going forward, and it just didn't stick, oh, you man. know? He's trying yeah. something out, you know? Right, right. Uh, so issue three has Torch going up against some Martians who are trying to steal uh, a formula for some new type of explosive. It, uh, it Basically, uh, he displays another power at the end of the issue where... He he gets a, a fireball in his hand, and he whispers into the fireball, and then he throws it at the 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 escaping Martians. Like so, the fireball sails past the the rocket ship, and then explodes kind of in the sky. He's skywriting. Uh, I call it teleflame. Turn back. We'll help you. Signed the torch. You know. So it's like this weird power of whispering into a fireball throwing it and then it 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 bursts and and displays this uh skywriting or teleflame you oh. know so that's i, I think it, it comes up again i think in issue 5 but issue 4 is where he's going up against some someone called the green flame he shows back up into new york city and it's like a 
it's deserted because this green flame menace is is terrorizing town or whatever. So he pulls into town and the cops just pull him over because they're suspicious of everybody at this point. And the cops are like, you know, uh, what's your name? And he says, uh, Hammond, Jim Hammond. And that's that's the origin of uh, secret identity, Jim Hammond for the torch. And it's really just kind of an off-the-cuff thing. Like, he had been talking to somebody, uh, a friend in a previous issue, I guess issue three, uh, and he said, like, Torch, you know, you're going to have to come up with a uh, a secret identity. And, and he says, he says, like, oh, I'll think about it. And then you don't, you know, this this is what comes of that. So I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed he didn't come up with his name in more like a clever way, almost like, mm. a, like a Kaiser Soze way. Like, maybe he was at a at a substation or something, you know, ordering a sandwich. And he was like, like a Jimmy John's and he, he was ordering a ham sandwich. And it's like, Jimmy ham on <laughs> ham on rye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, did you just make that up? No, yeah. that's, that's my name. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, issue four is one of the first times I think when they're drawing uh torch that they give him facial features in the flame. And as, unsettling as it it seems that that he's running around with no facial facial features it's worse when he has facial features it's real creepy so you know i'm glad they don't really stick with that too much um yeah because by the time he fights the uh namor again it's um i think he's he's got the blank face and and i think we we talked about how kind of freakish he looked uh, on the cover of, of, <laughs> yeah, number, yeah. of number one, it, it, like sinister, like evil, you know, yeah, like a devil. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he displays uh, someone shooting uh, uh, tracer rounds at him. And uh, you might know, uh, are tracer rounds different than regular bullets? Yeah, they're, they're, I figure out exactly what um, they're made of, but they're, um, they're, they're some sort of incandescent, incandescent in the uh, bullet itself. Okay. So when it shoots out, and it's like, it's every fifth round or eighth round or something like that. I think it's every, you know, mm. uh, let's just go with five. Every five okay. to ten rounds, it's a tracer. So, uh, like, if you've ever seen, like, I, I go to, like, the old Desert Storm uh, footage where you see the night vision, you see all the, you know. The, oh, yeah. That's that's actually tracer rounds. Okay. Um, I, I I personally set the grass on fire one time, which because of tracer rounds, <laughs> I was nice. night night firing with a um, M240 Golf, and I had it, I jammed it out of my shoulder incorrectly at one point, and I but I still kept firing. So instead of firing <laughs> at the target, I it started angling down into the grass, and next thing I know, I saw a little flame popping up, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, yeah, but nice. yeah, 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 it's pretty interesting. Okay. You know, it, but it makes it look like. Like G.I. Joe or Star Wars, you know, with like laser <laughs> right, yeah. fires. It's it's kind of neat, personally, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I bring that up because, like, normally when people shoot bullets at him, they just melt on when they get close enough to him. But when at some point in uh, issue four, someone shoots tracer rounds at him, and because of their different makeup, he's able to curve them out of the way. Like, he can control, I guess, the... For oh, lack okay. of a better description, the flame that's in the bullet, he can make that you know curve the actual bullet uh, away from him. So, okay, so you know he's basically 
it, yeah, it's it's it is basically a pyrotechnic charge within okay. within a so within that's a what bullet, he's controlling so. then. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, at the end of that issue of issue four, it, I guess I should say like he he comes up with this fake identity of Jim Hammond, and then when this green flame menace shows up. You know, Torch goes into action, and this this cop is like, "Where's Jim Hammond? The torch must have killed him." <laughs> and uh, so it's like he's dealing with this green flame thing, and he's also dealing with like being blamed for the murder of Jim Hammond, which is a person that has on paper does not exist. You know, it's only in this one cop has heard the name Jim Hammond, and he's now he's like very concerned that Jim Hammond was killed by the torch. <laughs> and so the end of the issue, Torch goes to the police chief and says, you know, like he, he flames off and he's like, well, I'm Jim Hammond. So, so it's like, he gets his secret identity and also expose you know, shares it with someone and exposes himself like in the same issue. So I thought that was interesting. Well, Superman was never like suspected of murdering Clark Kent. They would yeah. just assume Clark Kent was a coward and ran away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Torch yeah. immediately did, Take some drastic actions, it sounded like. Yeah. No, I'm right here. It's fine. It's totally right. fine. I am not a murderer. I mean, I totally am, but only of yeah. bad people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or people that may not be terrible, but, you know. <laughs> Wanted um, to exploit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Issue five. Uh, yeah, again, he uses his, his teleflame power. Um, but he also, like, he he does a cool thing with it. He whispers into these two fireballs. Uh, throws them at uh, it's it's this whole weird plot that takes them to I think they're in Canada, um, and the the bad guys have sled dogs and, and you know that sort of thing. So he his fireballs surround the the guy and his his sled dogs, and after he he whispers to the fireballs, it like it creates a perimeter around these guys and then guides them to the authorities. It's like they can't get out of the ring of fire and like it, the, the, the ring of fire moves towards town. So they have to just keep up with it, you know, and keep inside the ring of fire, uh, lest they be, you know, burned alive. And then once they get to the authorities, then the, the, the message part of the, the fireball, like goes into action and just tells the, the cops that like, here are these, these guys and here's what they did basically. Um, so just a weird like use of power. And I don't know why he didn't just, go with them and tell them tell the cops what you know who these guys were but well he couldn't just leave a note like spider-man does yeah, because it yeah. would just burn up you know yeah yeah um let's see issue six he's dealing with some guys that are uh they're, they're starting forest fires to distract like they want to break into this bank and, and steal some uh some type of type of uh bomb uh, prototype or uh, not prototype blueprints for a bomb. So there's they're starting fires, you know, forest fires, and uh, he does a cool trick where he throws a bunch of flame up into the sky, and like as the uh, these robbers are trying to attack this bank, and they're actually shooting missiles at the bank, and the the like ceiling of fire just just takes care of all the the missiles that are coming down onto the bank. So I thought that was kind of cool. They definitely come up with some creative uses of of fire you know like yeah yeah i mean some are maybe make a little more sense than others but, but um, yeah it's yeah. definitely creative i'll say that's issue six uh let's see issue seven 
a few panels into the start of it, he says, you know, I want to be a policeman. And then two panels later, Jim Hammond, policeman, like he's on the street, he's in his uniform. It, it, it covers his entire police uh, academy in one, you know, panel in one big paragraph. Like, I think it says he's like top of his class and, and you know, yeah, I don't know it, how long it takes to, to become a police officer, but. A couple months at least, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, you know, you go to the police academy or you go, you know, some, some people, I guess, go to college for law enforcement or whatever. Um, yeah, like it takes a couple months. They have to they have to do the physical training they, and they also have to learn the law. You know, they have to learn, yeah. you yeah. know, there's a lot. It's, it's more than just, you know, I, I read that and I had a laugh. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this is literally the plot of Police Academy 1 and 2 in the beginning of 2. Because <laughs> nice. you know, he gets assigned to the slum area. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so right right off the bat, he's like, we totally, he gets his first beat assignment, like you said, in one panel. If this was today's type of um, comic story, like, it'd be a six-issue arc where he was, you know, him dealing with, you know, going through Police Academy. And I, and I yeah. definitely think there is some, there's definitely some comedy to be had there if he, you know, was was doing any sort of his torch powers at all, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, if, while, while doing police training, you know. <laughs> Sure. Using it to his advantage. And yeah, yeah. but yeah, we don't know what his uh, what his training was like at all, because, yeah, it just just wraps it up real quick. Um, so at, at this point, like, I think Carl Burgos, uh, the, you know, the writer of this, the, the Human Torch side of the, the these issues, I think he's just given up on on the Android aspect of Human Torch because it never comes up. It's never alluded to you know it's never talked about that he is a synthetic man like i don't know why he's an android at this point you know i don't it's just i keep waiting for it to become a plot element and it just hasn't um and maybe i'm just i hear android and my mind instantly goes to data from star trek you know oh yeah where it's 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 obvious that he's not a real human and and you know, that becomes part of the story. Like, he wants to be human, but he's, you know, he can't do certain things. But here in in these Human Torch stories, he's clearly just a, a he's a human man with firepowers. So, mm-hmm. uh, until maybe later on, in, in, you know, down the road in, in future comics, uh, I'd be really interested in, in the android side of Human Torch. Um, I know for a fact that the android aspect of human torch plays it you know way later into the the creation of vision so i know that part of the android side of him does play a factor um, down the road but um it's like they just needed a reason why he was a fireman you know yeah yeah which which was seriously i i I mean i didn't plan this like but just my, my saying fireman didn't it make more sense that he wouldn't instead of being a police officer he would have been a firefighter? You know, <laughs> holy, holy crap that <laughs> that's, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean it practically like, writes itself. You know, I and can then, yell Yeru and and yeah. put out the the warehouse fire chief. You know, right? But but that would be the other thing. Like like if he tried to keep his secret identity. That yeah. would be like some, you know, <laughs> something he could be doing as like, oh, I, you know, hey, Hammer, get over there and hook up the, you know, the fire, yeah. you know, hook up the hose. But he's like, oh, I could take care of this in like two seconds, but I can't let Chief, you know, see, right, and, you yeah. know, stuff like that. You know, I, I think that would that would be so much better. Yeah, more drama that way. Like, because I mean, so far in in all these issues, like 
he's just going up against racketeer people and like here in issue seven he's just going up against a crooked politician you know it's crime wise it's just like these he could be a fireman and the, the those same racketeers are, are trying to burn out you know slums and you know warehouses and and that's how he's kind of putting a stop to him so yeah he yeah. could be they they could he, they could easily have him be promoted to the fire investigator even yeah. you know and so so not only is he trying to you know be help put out the flames but maybe he's going to investigate you know like a politician who was in it for you know real estate uh, real estate thank you yeah. yeah yeah exactly you know yeah so uh, yeah, it's weird, <laughs> but it does get us to you know, here at the end of issue seven and uh, Torch has apprehended his, you know, crooked politician and he's taken him to the station and he gets to the station and it's just, it's like frantic with you know activity. And I think one cop says uh, it's a riot call. The Submariner's wrecking the city. Submariner? Who's he? Boom. <laughs> Literally. He's scratching his head, you know, yeah. it ends with like, yeah. like, what is going on here? And it's question mark, you know? Yep. But the, there you go. That's like, that's the tease. Like that, if this was a movie, of, you know, like if they were doing the, the Human Torch, Jim Hammond Android movie in the MCU, that would be the sting at the end of the credits, the after credits. Oh, scene. yeah. He walks yeah. into the police station. Hey, you know, what's going on? Because, you know, the, the movie's over at that point. He, he got the crooked politician. Um, you know, he murders somebody, too, I think. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just whatever. And, and and that would be the, you know, oh, you know, chaos. In, you know, like you said, chaos in the in the police precinct. And we get a name drop. And he's like, you know, hmm. And then fade, you know. Fade yeah. to cr- you know, fade, fade to black. Up, yeah. I should say, yeah, and then you know, and then makes us you know, thus uh, us in the know go, oh my god, you know, what's coming next, right? And, and then everybody else go, hey, who's this neighbor guy? You know, who's the <laughs> submariner? I should say, yeah, yeah. I saw that, and I, I had to laugh, but I, I, I guess I, I guess I anticipated a little bit more, um, but again, I guess that was a little bit of a, I, I should, I should say that was a little bit of a surprise to me in all actuality yeah. because I never heard of seven being thrown into the crossover but it clearly sets up the crossover and so that was a neat little nod um and you get a lot more of that in the namor side of of issue seven i'll get into that in you know later in the namor part of my recap i gotta say like out of the two i think uh bill everett is a much better storyteller as far as like namor versus uh Human Torch storylines go for me. Having having read all those, I could skip the Human Torch side of things at just as 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 I've been skipping the the Angel storylines and the Kazar <laughs> storylines that are in these issues. I've I've really liked the Submariner storylines, so I would keep reading these. Uh, but I probably at this point would unless unless there's I mean I guess after this event that we're going to talk about, maybe there's more crossovers that I'd want to read, but just the standalone, uh, torch stories are not great. So, yeah, they're um, pretty, pretty standard fare for that type of crime fighter of the time. But, uh, Namor is a little different. I think just, Mm -hmm. I think the pencils are unique. Like I'm not an art. Oh yeah. You know, critic by any means, but it's, I find myself drawn to the Namor, storylines myself even yeah. in the crossover i was more interested in what namor was doing than what torch was doing uh not saying i was rooting for him one versus sure. the other but as far as you know because we'll get into all that but as yeah, far yeah. as the actual the 
just the artwork and the and the, and the character. Um, he seems. I don't know. It's hard to place it, but he's more in- interesting. You know, he's, uh, he's more sure. intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. What was Namor up to since uh, issue number one? Um, so, yeah. So issue one, we talked about, it ended with him and his, is it his cousin that he was with? Uh, they kind of attacked the, some, some people at a lighthouse or something. Lighthouse. Yeah. And, uh, and then they get in a plane and then he dives out of the plane and tells her, I think to take it, further crash into the water and, and head back to Atlantis, I think. And, and so this, uh, this starts with, you know, he's diving into the water and then he's, uh, he kind of swims up to New York city and it's, he's going to be- begin like this, uh, little espionage, you know, uh, campaign against the white man and underwater, he gets sucked into a power plant, um, like in through the, the, I guess, into the water like system. A- it was like a, yeah, it was like a water valve intake or yeah. something. Yeah, because so, that one I did read, and and, okay. and he ends up in yeah, like you said, like in the water treatment plant. Yeah, yeah. So he, he gets in like there, a, and then he ends up like yeah, fighting like uh, yeah. engineers and security guards because they he I think Namor thinks that he's being attacked. It's like a lot of Namor stuff. It's it's a lot of like uh, misunderstandings. Namor thinks that he's being slighted. You know, when he's not, it's, it's just, you know, he attacks be- because he thinks that he's being attacked or whatever. Uh, he's on the run. He, he has, a, has a run with some cops. You know, he's on the run from them. He at some point he gets some clothes off of a bum and decides, like, I need proper clothes. So he goes into, like, the, the wealthier part of New York City and uh, knocks on the door, uh, asks if the, the, you know, the man of the house is in basically. And the woman who's there says, you know, Oh, he looks harmless. Let him in. <laughs> and, uh, bad idea, <laughs> bad idea. Yeah. Uh, because like immediately after she just absentmindedly sets her dress on fire with her cigarette. And so she's going up in flames. And so Namor, you know, he, he jumps to the rescue and it says, uh, the heat brings forth stored up water in his system and his entire body acts as a sprinkler. Water spurts from his pores and drenches both himself and the unconscious girl. So, ew. Like, he's, yeah, he's yeah. That's an sweating all power. over her. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. like, gushing all over her. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I won't say, I mean, I don't. I didn't see that. I don't recall that part, but I do know that that comes back. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. power. And... Yeah, that's we'll talk. I think we'll talk about it a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's weird. But I like the idea. It, I like it that it acts as a. I think the the time that it comes back later, it, it's almost more of a defense mechanism, um, kind of like your your squids uh, shooting ink, that sort of thing. A skunk um, or something. Yeah. 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 I, in uh, fact, well, I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll just say this now. Like I I was googling like animals that squirt. Mm. Bad, bad idea. Don't do that. Do not do that. Put safe search on if you're going to do sure. that. No, but yeah. I was look. I was trying to think of like water as a defense mechanism or something. And it was there's like, a, <laughs> so, I didn't have much luck. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> I know there's some kind of fish or maybe it is some kind of squid that it shoots like a jet of water at its enemies or, or, or maybe it like it stuns its prey. I think by shooting a, like a high pressure blast of, uh, of water, mm. I think at, at whatever it's. Well, I, I was it's enemy. 
I had a, I had a dog, you know, I had this gold retriever, and she was a goof, and she would just try and eat everything as she could. And there was some toad or something that she got mm. a hold of and put it in her mouth, and it yeah. secreted some sort of like oozy liquid yeah. in, her mo- yeah. in her mouth, and she spit it out. And it was she was you know coughing it up and all that. And I was I, obviously it was clearly like some sort of defense mechanism. So I was thinking about that when I was when I was yeah. searching for it. But yeah, I was like I didn't want to put like ooze. I didn't want to put mm-hmm. half the stuff I just said into a Google search. Basically, sure. so yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Bad idea. It's it's kind of a cool. It's almost surprising that they didn't give him you know water manipulation powers. Uh, you know, like he can't take the water that's in a, in a glass or in a, a fountain and like redirect it. And, and, you know, he can't like manipulate water. Like, like I almost wonder, like maybe he should have had some sort of water manipulation power, make it more of an interesting fight later with him and, and torch, you know, just kind of have that same level of power of control over that element maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they're definitely, you know, as we are, as you already stated, torch, Got has that power. He he can control the flames. He can yeah. he can whisper to them. You know he he can he can make a ring around it and make it move. Um, now didn't Aquaman at some point gain that ability? I think when he had that water hand. I'm not. sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. True. Yeah, I know um, that Mira has that power. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was just gonna say because I, I watched the movie recently again. Okay. And she definitely manipulated the water like yeah. as, as yeah, we're yeah. describing, which. Um, yeah, would have been interesting, yeah. but yeah. Um, so at this point, like he's 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 put the flames out of the, of this girl, and he tells the butler, you know, call the doctor or send for a, send for a doctor, and he's like he 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 has to like convince himself, like no, I I don't want I don't want to take her, like I, I want her, but but I I should just leave her, you know, and then he says, uh, I shall return later. There are riches to be found in this house. So I think at one point, like Bill Everett is considering making Namor like maybe a thief, you know, adding that kind of character trait to his his vi- I mean, kind of villain character that that Namor is. Uh, so I'm not really sure what that's all about. But um, anyways, like as he's leaving the house, you know, the the ambulance is there. They're they're taking the girl to the the hospital, and he follows the he follows the ambulance. And then as soon as they get to the hospital, he bursts in and and takes her like he changes his mind and this girl will be useful to me in my crusade against you murderous americans it uh he takes her to the waterfront and the exposition actually says that he's forgetting that she cannot live underwater so i guess that we're we're meant to understand that namor is planning on taking her underwater with no like preparation of like let me find a diving mask for her or you know oh i happen to have these capsules in my belt that you know give any one oxygen supply for an hour you know something like i'm surprised they don't do something like that but yeah and i don't it kind of makes namor look dumb yeah uh so so i don't know why he would have gone there and i don't know if it's just meant that like he killed her or almost kills her i can't remember if she dies in this issue or not but it maybe it was trying to show that it wasn't necessarily intentional like he's doing something wrong selfish by sure well it is wrong you're kidnapping a, a woman it's, it's very it's wrong the, it's king kong taking uh fey ray to the you know he's like he's stunned by her beauty and just can't can't not have yeah. her you know because i mean that's kind of what happens here like he he takes her to the waterfront um he's being uh pursued by the police and then it gets this is where like as i'm reading this my 
my jaw opened because the police show up. He grabs a cop car and it says, as if it were but a toy, he picks it up and hurls it at the law officers, killing them and scattering them about. Um, so he, he dives into the water with, uh, this girl. I don't even know if they've ever given her a name. And so two cops go in after, uh, go into the drink after him. Uh, one like makes a play to, to fight Namor underwater in his element. And while he's, you know, he and, and the cop are fighting, uh, another cop like manages to, to get to her and get her back up to the dock. So she's fine. Okay. Um, but it does say that, uh, our, Maybe it's an issue three. Yeah, yeah. It's an issue three that starts with the cops are trying to, like, come up with a plan. And they say, like, uh, well, you know, we, uh, I don't remember what the guy's name was. Like, Murphy, you know, managed to get the girl, but but Foley, he he drowned, you know, in his fight against <laughs> Namor. So, like, here's here's another cop that Namor killed, you know. So it's, it's just crazy to me that this is where, the way Namor starts, you know. Yeah, it, it's it amazes me, you know, reading these early issues, um, that he was ever able to be redeemed as a as a hero. That's a big factor in in these later issues five and six or six and yeah. Um, so I'll talk more about that. But like here, the cops, are, like I said, they're they're trying to formulate like how do we stop Namor? Um, and one one of them is like, well, he went after the girl. So maybe if we just send a an undercover policewoman down to the waterfront, maybe he'll try and take her too. Someone says, uh, "Great idea!" Oh, it's the chief that has an idea. He says, uh, "Great idea, chief. We'll use Betty Dean. She's an expert swimmer, easy on the eyes, and a darn good cop." <laughs> so, uh, so they bring in Betty Dean, and she's like, she's all up for the task. You know, she is. Uh, she's ready to be given like an assignment, you know, that's like, I think she's just a beat cop at this point, but she's never really been given a, an assignment or anything. Um, so she's, uh, she's talking with her uh, roommate. They gave me the job of trapping the Submariner, but I don't see what a mere woman can do when the entire force has failed. The darn maniac flies in the air like a bird, lives in the water like a fish, and on land like a man. He's some freak species of half-man, half-fish, and half-bird, and he has the strength of a hundred elephants, and it's up to poor little me to capture him. Well, honey, I'm off to the wars. I've got my bathing suit on under my dress just in case, and little Roscoe in my purse. So long, darling. <laughs> Is little I, I, Roscoe her, her revolver? I, would I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it's a little gun. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't know who taught Betty Dean math because <laughs> Namor is half man, half fish and half bird apparently. Well, do you think it was Al Gore? Half bear, half man, half pig? Maybe. Or half yeah. man, bear, pig. Yeah. Half man, bear, pig. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like Betty Dean here. You know, I like this. Uh, she's got that like spirit, you know? It's funny that she says, well, you know, what, what's a, what's a what's you know a little old woman going to do? Or yeah, whatever. I mean, granted, it's you know it's the forties, <laughs> but Written by men, yeah, yeah, right, right. Maybe, but yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, again, beauty beauty killed the beast in uh, in right. King Kong, so you know, uh, and she's uh, gonna she's going to be the one that like I mean goes up up against Namor, and she does a much better job than anyone else so far. So she hangs out by the waterfront for like a, it says like for a week. Until she finally catches sight of Namor, and then so she dives into the water, you know, pretends to be like helpless, maybe drowning, I, I think. Um, so Namor, you know, captures her, uh, takes her out 
to kind of deeper water. She pulls a gun on him, and then, like, they kind of have a little scuffle, and then he takes her out to even deeper water, and then the book changes suddenly. This uh, plane flies overhead and bombs a commercial vessel. So Namor leaves her at a, at a buoy, you know, and, and says, you can swim to this, this island, it's close enough, you can make it there while I go uh, see what this is all about. And it turns out it's this German plane and and a submarine in the water are attacking this uh, just a, like a freight freight liner, like a, just a commercial you know, shipping vessel. And so he, you know, he attacks the sub and, and I forget how he does it. He, I think he disables the sub's rudder and then he gets up on, on deck or something and, and shoots down the, uh, the plane and, you know, takes out both of them. And then uh, he pushes the, the wounded uh, freighter onto the beach and is, is, at this point, like Betty is there as well, and he's he's telling her like you, know, you have to help me save save all these people. You know, tries to get as many people out of the the ship as he can. Uh, I think they f- talk to the captain who dies like just seconds after they get him out of there or whatever. But the the I think the fascinating thing about this aspect of of issue three is that you know this is 1940. I want to say this one is what what month? I think this may have been January 1940. Um, you know, America is not in the war at this point, you know, I, I think this is Bill Everett saying America should be in this war. I'm going to, I'm going to take Namor, you know, and turn him into, you know, maybe a hero, maybe someone that goes and fights the Germans and, you know, turn him into a Nazi fighter. So that, that is at this point, it's really exciting to me. Yeah, there there was a quote by uh, Stan Lee in one of you know one of these documentaries where he basically stated that the comic book industry was fighting the war before America was. Yeah, you know, yeah, because their 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 heroes went to war before. Yeah, yeah. war was declared. Yeah, I was listening to um, uh, it's a podcast. It's called Yet Another uh, MCU podcast, oh. I think. And, yeah, 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 I'm familiar. Uh, it's just kind of they they did an episode just kind of like this era of Marvel, like basically the the shift of like like it was timely, and then Atlas, and then it became Marvel, and um, but they were talking about like you know you got to remember like a lot of the writers, uh, and even like over with uh, Superman, you know Siegel and Schuster, and like these guys, um, I don't know about Bill Everett, but a lot of these guys are Jewish, you know they're Jewish uh, or of either Jewish immigrants themselves or of Jewish. Uh, descent like and i think that has something to do with like these guys are eager to put their characters into you know going to to put them against the the you know nazis like and and i I certainly i i love that you know i love that like captain america gets created to go sock hitler on the jaw you know (laughs) Right, Um, right we'll get into obviously more of that later but yeah, because that's the topic worthy of discussion. I think you know because it's oh, such, yeah, yeah. such a big thing that happened. Yeah, um, the you know the comic industry continued, but it also was kind of put on hold at the same time. But again, yeah, that's that's a conversation for another time. I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, at this point, I'm getting really excited. I because I, I'm envisioning Namor is now being like they're maybe trying to turn him into a hero, but you know by making him this, you know, getting into the, into the fight, you know? And so issue four is very much that, uh, um, he helps the allies. He, you know, fights off some Germans. He commands like a battalion of, of Atlantean troops and in their, like, uh, they call them aerial, aerial subs. 
Yeah. Um, so they can they can their submarines underwater, but they can fly you know in the air. But uh, one cool th- uh, little power thing here with Namor is he can command his troops te- uh, telepathically it, while he's in battle. Anyways, so I don't know if that ever comes up again. Him having some you know telepathic abilities. Yeah, that's new to me. So yeah, yeah. Issue five puts him. Uh, I think the again, I think they're trying to make him more of a hero. And so issue five has him running around in more of a costume, um, almost like uh, the angel in, in the other uh, backup stories for, for Marvel Comics. Like he's got a, uh, a blue pants, uh, a red top, and a, a bright yellow cape. So it's it's almost it's it's Superman. It's the angel. It's very like you know your your primary color hero colors. So uh, instead of like his traditional just you know fish fish scale trunks but uh <laughs> you know so like he returns to the city and and of course you know again just like gets into a scrape with police he doesn't kill anybody this time but it's another one of those like uh, kind of more of a misunderstanding things but i mean he still is a wanted person but oh i guess i should say like back in uh, when he's on the beach with uh, uh betty after res- rescuing that freighter like it's her it, it, it's betty that's like you know we're not all that bad, and and the people we're fighting are against are are really bad, and and we could use the help that that sort of thing. It's a it's a really good. I, I sh- should have quoted it here, but uh, it's it's worth reading. I think uh, to to get Betty's kind of um, impassioned plea to get him to help. You know, yeah. Even though he's fighting somebody, you know, like terrible. You know, it's like he still did something horrible. When he's yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the sure. cops are, you know, yes, thank you for taking out some, some Nazis, <laughs> some Germans, but you still yeah. killed an arc. You still have some cops. Right. You know, you're, we, we want to arrest you. Uh, but, you know, that's that's actually, um, I, I didn't even think about that because I didn't think the turn towards fighting Germans came to later. Right. Uh, you know, um, but, you know, that that's a trope in TV. Like, like I think Sons of Anarchy did something like that well, where it's like, these guys are bad guys, but they yeah. were often going up against worse guys that you're like, yeah, you want our, you know, our, you want our not so bad guys to win versus the really bad guys, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where Namor's flaw, flaw, I guess, I guess, I guess I would say, I don't know if, if there's somebody before him, but he's, he kind of seems like the first kind of like anti-hero, kind of like the Punisher almost. You know, I would say so. I yeah. don't maybe someone like the Phantom. I don't know if they're. I think he may just be a out and out hero. I don't know if he's like a vigilante. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. So they they finally he he's going up against the the cops and uh, I guess someone finally like tries uh, chloroform on him. It it totally works. It, it kind of knocks him out. So they put him in jail. And then uh, they get word that the subway tunnel has been flooded. And so, you know, he is fully committed at this point of like, he, he talks to Betty and he, he says, you know, convince them to let me out. I'll go deal with this flooded subway problem, you know, because it's, it's a subway. It's a subway cars. There's, you know, people in, in jeopardy down there. And he's like, you know, I can go down there. I can take care of this problem. You've seen what I can do. So he's totally willing to like jump in and help um, in, in effort in an effort to uh, redeem himself. Uh, so he goes to this. They they let him out. He goes to this flooded tunnel and he. Uh, so he manages to save uh, a bunch of lives in this flooded uh, tunnel, and then finds out that the the distraction 
or the the flooding was a distraction by some crooks who who want to steal this gold bullion from a treasury like next door or whatever. Um, so he ends up you know saving the day, and it it leaves with sort of a what will he do next? You know, is he gonna? Uh, it, it's weird because it, it he's still literally in the same room as all the gold bullion, and it says like like yeah, what will Na- Namor do next? And that's almost like as a are they trying to hint that maybe he's here for the treasure? You know, like kind of cutting back to that thing from issue two where he was talking about coming back to that that lady's uh, place to to get the riches or whatever. So I don't know why that's here. It's just a, a weird vibe um, added in there, to like the last panel of that issue. Uh, so issue six is again <clears throat> he's he's really making an effort to to clear his name become a hero and then work with the police you know he stops more gangsters like literally on the way um he's leaving that treasury tunnel situation and and manages to stop some more gangsters and then he goes to the commissioner and says uh, uh the commissioner thanks him you don't have to thank me commissioner i'm only trying to clear my debt to your people and uh then the commish like breaks it to him that that's not really how the law works. Like, you can't just, you know, save some people, do some good deeds, and that clears you of the crimes you've committed. And so Namor's kind of, like, kind of confused and irritated at the idea that, you know, really you you should be, you know, you should go to court and, and stand trial for what you've done. Like, like I said, Namor's very irritated at this idea, uh, but he goes along with it. You know, because he's, he's like, well, if that's what it's going to take, you know. And and the funny thing to me is, like, when he's there at the courthouse, he I think he's either talking to himself or, or it's uh, some exposition. But um, he decides, like, no matter what the outcome is, like, they can't hold him. So either he gets cleared of, of these charges and, you know, becomes a hero or they find him guilty and then he just he'll just fly off, you know, because like I said, they can't hold him. So it's kind of a win-win for um, for Namor. Like that's how he feels, anyways. Well, and there's precedent too for for uh, you know the court system not be able, you know, the jail system not be able to hold a superhero because that was one of the reason that uh, reasons that Human Torch was cleared of any wrongdoing in the um, first first issue. Because they said the judge said, "Ah, what the heck? We wouldn't be able to hold him anyways," and he, <laughs> and he let him off. So they were like, "Look, right. I would like to have the Human Torch precedent, you know, please." That's and, right. Um, and I'm pretty sure if he gets up, you know, in front of court and explains that he's got red in his ledger and he wants to clear it, you know, that you know by being a hero, then I'm sure he'll get off. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> I, I want to enter in the uh, the Ron Howard narration voice from Arrested Development. He didn't, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> no, so court court goes badly for uh, for Namor. Um, they they oddly they find him guilty for you know murdering those cops and uh, I don't know maybe a couple other people got killed along the way. And, and, and their their reasoning is like, yeah, you might give us your word now, but the the chance that you're gonna turn on us later is too great, you know, and and you're too dangerous. So and they're, they they're, uh, not, they're not wrong in that though, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is a little, uh, you know, he, he may not be the fire guy, he's the water guy, but he is a yeah. hot. He is hot, to, you know. He's hot blooded. He's got a hot temper, you know. Yeah. So now you know he's he's obviously he, things don't go his way. So he's about to fly off, and he just face plants on the courthouse floor. It's really, it's really a great 
moment. He, yeah, just face plants and, and it's revealed a couple panels later. They're like, what happened to him? Like, why did he do that? Um, they they find out that they've been drugging his food for like the weeks leading up to this trial or maybe days (laughs) leading up to this trial. Like they've been drugging him. So he's been, he's, this is again, Namor shouldn't be so stupid that he doesn't realize he's losing his power. You know, it's kind of one of those, those like, I guess he hasn't needed to use his super strength in it, you know, while he's waiting this trial. Um, so he just didn't know that he wasn't strong anymore for those couple days. But uh, I, I really like that moment of uh, him trying to fly away and he just just eats floor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, 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 the way you describe it makes me sad that I didn't read all the issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, the the. Torch stuff wasn't great, but I really like the the Namor stuff. Um, so, like, they immediately go from courthouse to the electric chair. Yeah, you know, I say immediately. Uh, I don't know. There might 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 have been days between those panels, but um, it it could have could have been the same amount of time that Jim Hammer was in the exactly. police academy. Yeah, <laughs> you just never yeah. know. It's very. Um, compressed yeah. if you if you will <laughs> yeah that's the magic of comics it, you're filling in the the space between the panels um mm-hmm. but uh yeah so they they put him in the electric chair and and throw the switch i mean just full on you know pull the switch on on him and uh the electricity has an effect that they they're they're not anticipating and it the the sudden like surge of electricity it just completely neutralizes whatever drug that has been in his system. So now he's at full fighting strength and just pissed off. And so this is kind of like, this is what leads into issue seven. Like he, at the end of issue six here, he decides like he, he takes off, you know, he's, he goes back to the precinct cause he wants to talk to Betty kind of one last time. Actually he wants to confront her cause he thinks, well, you, you're the one that's been, drugging my food, you know, the last couple of days, like you're the one that you, know, you were in on it. Right. You know, it's of course like she's trying to explain to him like, no, you know, I, I wasn't in on it. So she's trying to convince him like, just, just leave it alone. But he's, you know, his pride, his, his vengeance, you know, it needs to be satisfied, you know? Um, so more cops show up and they, they try to net him and try to use tear gas, but then Betty, you know, opens a window to clear the gas and then again, tells him like leave and never return. So, uh, she helps him basically escape, um, in a, in a, in a way. But, uh, of course the issue ends with, with him, uh, vowing to come back and destroy humanity. And so that, that takes us to issue seven. And, yeah. And that, uh, that, that kind of gets us to the, to, to now where I picked up reading, okay. but also, but also where basically the the, the storyline kicks off, you know, because yeah. now we got um, Torch is is now a police officer, and now we got Namor ready to uh, enact his revenge against the treacherous Americans, you know, yeah, <laughs> as as the uh, as the king of Atlantis put it, and I was <laughs> I, I I assumed something happened where he felt I didn't know if it was. Um, like a misunder another one of these misunderstandings where he thought you know they were after him or or what, but it and I did get I think there's I think it is mentioned something about being electrocuted yeah and I I didn't you know I forget what what issue yeah, I think I, I'm it, sure. the very start of issue seven it talks about like having been put on trial and electrocuted by the by, yeah. you know, by the humans or something. It's like, so yeah, that probably is a little jarring. Like, wait, what? It's like a lot happens as issue number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, so yeah, issue seven starts that he returns to New York. He takes over the Statue of Liberty as kind of his base of operations. And like he's, <laughs> he vows to unleash his fury like the crushing of a thousand waves. <laughs> he He's pitching tourists out of the statue. Oh I, yeah. I, you know, I, and these are, I'm pretty sure these are just two. I, I think they're falling to their death. You know, he's crashing, he crashes a a big uh, ocean liner, I think like a big cruise ship. Like he disables it and he disables a tugboat, I think, and he manages to like... A ferry, the, he says, yeah. Oh, it's a ferry, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the ocean liner just, just crashes into the, the ferry. So well, that... I, think, I think he pushes it into it. Because okay. they they make oh, a they yeah, make yeah, a yeah. point of saying that That's he's right. like full stop full stop or whatever yeah and it's a nope nope it doesn't, doesn't matter now there was a couple things about him you know trying to take over the Statue of Liberty because basically he wants to make that his castle yeah and and what I like it is um he said you know this will be a you know a great kind of like jumping off point so he can enslave all the people and he's going to make himself Emperor of America so like. I thought that was hilarious that he's like, I need a castle and I'm now emperor, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, he's not just going to like destroy a few things to get back. Like he's basically, I'm taking over. You guys can't yeah. be trusted. I got news for Torch though. Uh, we've already had an emperor in uh, America. Are you aware of that? <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had an emperor back in, oh, let's see, 1859. Let me double check that. Yeah. In 1859, we had, um, this guy named Joshua Abram Norton, uh, a citizen of San Francisco, California, proclaimed himself Norton the First, Emperor of the United <laughs> States. Nice. And, yeah, and he um, in in 1863 he also took a secondary title of Protector of Mexico after Napoleon the Third invaded Mexico. Um, however, at some <laughs> point, and I, I don't, I'll have to go through the article, but it, the the gist of it is. At one point, he dropped that title of Protector of Mexico because he's like nobody can can rule the you know can keep these guys in line or just too unruly or something yeah. like that. So he he kind of he kind of abandoned Mexico, but he but he still remained Emperor of America. <laughs> he was he was basically was just totally disheartened with the way the legal system and the political structure works. So he basically took matters into his own hand. He put out a press release uh, <laughs> that was a, he said at the I'm not going to read it all, but um, yeah. You know, basically, he just says, you know, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of, you know, blah, 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 and citizen for this long, blah, blah. Basically, I I no longer uh, adhere to any of the existing laws of America, and I am emperor. And he would draw, he, he dressed up in full, like, uniform and military regalia. They have some pictures yeah. of him online. He, I've heard he of was, this, the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was for... Um, <laughs> It was about 21 years he reigned over America, basically. <laughs> um, he Honestly, this dude actually reached out to... Um, well, basically, he said that Congress was null and void. Uh, hmm. They're... You know they're they're gone. Um, I think he encouraged the military to basically follow under his leadership. They all basically told him, basically all told him to stick it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did reach out to some heads of state, and uh, he basically was trying to. Uh, he reached out to uh, King Kamehameha uh, the fifth. Uh, the, the king of Hawaii at the time. Uh, yeah. He was trying to get an estate in Hawaii, and he wanted to um, basically. I he just basically wanted him to recognize 
Norton as you know the sole leader of the U.S. He reached yeah. out to Queen Victoria. Yeah, it was just hilarious. But you know, wow. I'm, you're going to be shocked to learn that he died penniless. Uh, <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> he was just, but I'm like he was like a whimsical kind. Well, they describe him as whimsical, but he was just yeah. like a. Um, I mean, he wasn't out there, you know, chucking people off of like, like the San Francisco. <laughs> oh. Um, I was going to say the Golden Gate Bridge, but actually there was something uh, about that. Like he actually proposed all these kind of like uh, the type of the type of bridges that the Golden Gates were. Um, he, he was he discussed like building these type of bridges. Like so, there was some stuff that he was kind of ahead of his time hmm. about. But yeah. he was just a crazy guy, you know. <laughs> like, he was sure. just a crazy man that was declaring stuff. And in San Francisco, newspapers would kind of print it and kind of like, yeah. ah, isn't, this, isn't this a lark, you know? <laughs> so he, he should have been a been like a councilman, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, basically done a know. lot more like civic. He probably could have done a lot, you know, for the like civic community than. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, needless to say, we've already had an emperor in America. So, um, well, so so Namor the second then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So and, and and there's a, there's <laughs> there was just something about when he first attacks the um the the Statue of Liberty and it's like like he he talks so much smack when he's doing his evil deeds mm-hmm. and. But it's also sometimes comes off as very childish. I know these are written for kids, but yeah, um, he's like, hey, you know, like the officer's like, hey, you get off that wall. What do you think you're doing? He's like, none of your business, stupid. You know, yeah. <laughs> like love- that's a stupid head. You know, like stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah, I but, love but, all that. But yeah, I love it. But then it's like then it turns dark in the very next pin, na- uh, oh, next man. panel when he's like, Namor's mighty fist smashes the guard's jaw and he just socks him. And you gotta, oh, yeah. you gotta imagine he probably killed him. You know, well. <laughs> Which, yeah, because I think he punches a lion in the jaw, and I think the next issue, and definitely kills it. So, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If he's yeah, so if he's punching people, then yeah, because yeah, he doesn't he doesn't uh, strike me as a type, especially if he's this mad, and now he's going to enslave mm. all of America. Yeah, he's not he's not pulling his punches when he's right. doing this. Yeah, you know, well, like said, especially like the next thing he does, he goes, uh, oh. He yeah he crashes a couple ships in the harbor. Then he pops into the mayor's office to threaten him and uh, beat him up a little bit. Um, yeah, so it, it was kind of the well it, the mayor. Oh, okay, before he gets to the mayor's office, there's there's one or two panels of the police getting reports of you know Namor being on a rampage, and mm. I I just wanted to call that out because I kind of got the impression that that like Jim Hammond is just off screen. You know, he's mm. just off panel because it kind of reminded me of the the last two panels where um, Hammond walks in at the end of his story and he's like, wait, what's going on? Send the riot gear and stuff like that, you know, send the yeah. riot squad out. So I kind of get the impression like that's where that story was now ending was right at this point here. Cause they kind of, okay. um, as we've, I don't know, did we already hint about this? I know you and I were talked offline, but I think like the ne- next issue is the torches, you know, there's the torture story, there's a uh, Namor story, but they're kind of happening simultaneously oh right so, so i think this is the kind of like a little hint of like well this is the timeline hmm. you know ham is just finding out about this but you're right he goes to the <laughs> he goes to the mayor's office and he basically says you know just give up surrender you it's know something I, about uh the, the the mayor's like wanting to to call the national guard and then just namor's just sitting outside his window and just you know eve, eavesdropping basically and he says like I don't know if you want to be doing that, Mayor. You know, and just and then he comes in and then, you know, kind of threatens him. Like I said, and, and yeah, at one point he does he punches him. 
Yeah, well, because he, he, well, you know, the the mayor insults him. Get out of here, you crook, you bum. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah, he goes, yeah. I'll sh- useful to you, I'll show you. And he's like, and he goes, yeah, he slaps him, maybe you'll listen. And and that's when he's like, basically, like, if you want to save lives and property, just don't try to stop me. I'm going to do what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, but, but I like that he's like, well, I got an answer for you. Hello, Governor. Send in the send in the National Guard. <laughs> you know, like he's yeah. so defiant. So mm-hmm. that just um, it, it just it, it, well it, it just um, antagonizes Namor more. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. He's like he's like I'll show you basically, and he runs. And of course, with the insults, numbskulls, I'll show them. <laughs> <laughs> and then he heads right what right towards an elevated train. And this this is where I, I it was having a, I was having a hard time like. Yeah, this Namor guy, he's fun, right? He goes to the L train, he rips out two, you know, of the support columns and crashes the L train, like three or four cars at least. And I guarantee there are, you know, families, women, children, you know, old old people, like they're they're it's a norm it's a normal, you know, commuter L train. Like they're yeah. just innocent people. You know the crap. I mean, and maybe it's it's not from such a great height, and maybe they weren't traveling at full speed. I don't know, but uh, I, 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 I got to being... imagine he's killing people there. <laughs> yeah, you're you're being awfully nice and awfully you know <laughs> like no, because he, he says uh, this might teach these fools, and he rips out the uh, you yeah. know, a couple pillars, and it crashes down. And I mean, yeah. you can see I bodies falling. Like, yeah, y- yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely paid attention from here, like as it talks about all these little his shenanigans. I I made it sure to like if it says, you know, if lives were lost or or not. So it here it, it doesn't say if anyone was killed, but I, the way it was drawn, like those tr- those train cars are mangled. You know, I guarantee people. And died, you see, you, know. you see people falling. I mean, they, you can see okay. them. There's I, little I, figures. Yeah, there's, okay. there's a there's a couple on the ground, but there's like one or two. Yeah, they're falling. They're literally in the air. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. it's, um, you know, and and I was I, like, I read something about the L, a little bit about the L trains, and like, like they were around in like the late 1800s. Like they were around mm. um, early in New York, um, but it was around the 50s that they all kind of went away and that's because partly because of the noise you know mm. like like anything in a big city there was kind of some corruption going on you know sure <laughs> but 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 it was like um the you know the trains weren't running efficiently they the subway was becoming a thing there was a lot of real estate real estate um that could be in place of these trains taking up and they were loud they were noisy you know they were they were dirty and uh some of these like higher end places were like hey um, this is an eyesore. We don't like it. We can make a lot more money on real estate. So in the fifties, they basically all went away. So right after that, he just, he goes right onto the empire state building. Yeah. And, and, and so like he, so he, he messes with an L train and he messes with the empire straight state building. And my first thought is King Kong and that in the, oh, yeah. the original, yeah, in original 1933, like Kong destroys an L train. He pops oh, his head right. off. He rips yeah. the he, yeah, and then and then he and of course it ends with the Empire State Building. Um, I'm like, Ooh, I wonder if they got some ideas from that, or of course there's, I mean, these are mainstays of New York City. These right, guys are yeah. in New York City, and Namor's trying to take over and destroy yeah. New York City. So, I mean, they may not have been blatantly copying it, but sure. I was like, oh, the path of destruction is very similar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
when he goes to the Empire State Building, he rips off the mooring mast that's on the, the top of the Empire State Building. And I got to thinking, I was like, what's the deal with the mooring mast? Because I knew it had something to do with blimps. And they were intended to be, it's an anchor point for uh, airships to dock onto the uh, Empire State Building uh, for overseas travel, like instead of uh, you know a port for uh, a, an ocean liner to to you know sail in and and dock on the waterfront, like this would have been a a essentially the Empire State Building would have been a port of entry for the United States. Wow, um, and, and it would have all happened at the top of the uh, Empire State Building. So it kind of was like it was never really intended to to play out like when they were designing the Empire State Building, of course, they're competing. You know, other other people are, are putting up their own buildings, uh, other skyscrapers and stuff. So it's kind of a competition of like, well, our antenna is 200 feet tall. You know, our this and that, our, our building has this many floors and we're going to put this big, you know, huge uh, ornate thing on top of it. You know, it's not really functional. There's no, you know, rooms in there. There's one or two rooms or whatever, but... It, mostly it's decorative. Um, and then so these, whoever was uh, constructing the Empire State Building says, well, we're going to put this uh, mooring mast on top of that. And I think it's, I'm going to say it was like 200 feet tall. Or it, it, it definitely increased the height like well enough to, uh, to make the Empire State Building officially like the tallest building at that point. And then like they, they managed to do a few like trial runs and get, like, I think they got a, a blimp attached to the mooring mast for like 10 minutes, um, once. And then it like, the winds, the wind speed, like there's too many factors, uh, to actually dock one of these things. And then you got to think about like, you got to get people from an airship to, you know, the top of the skyscraper, you got to get luggage, you know, or they have to carry their own luggage because you can't have like, there's not a good process of like, you know, unloading one of these things, you know, at the top of the skyscraper. Um, so it was kind of a publicity stunt more than anything. It never really worked. It, uh, they managed to get a photo of it docked, but then it like turned out that that photo had been doctored, you know, to yeah. make it look like it was actually attached and it wasn't. Um, so it was just all kind of, uh, you know, a stunt more than anything. So when you talk about airships in the 1940s and my brain immediately goes to the rocketeer. So oh, they, yeah, of course that, that could have been a system to get the passengers on and off. Just use the jetpacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not could that go wrong. Now, now that, um, you know, you know, not to sidetrack on the rocketeer that, you know, I love that little, uh, battle at the, what is it? Is it Griffith? Griffin, yeah. Uh, Griffith's uh, you know, observatory. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and of course, a big Zeppelin shows up there. Um, could have been interesting if that you know end battle happened on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, but we'll never know because Namor trashed the darn thing, so it's yeah. no longer yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he rips off this uh, mooring mast and uh, hurls it down to the street. I also looked up uh, the uh, the whole penny thing. Like you toss a penny from a skyscraper, is will it really kill? You know, will it really like drill through someone's head like you? you hear when you're uh, uh, in grade school or whatever. Um, apparently, a penny has doesn't have the, the, the mass required to really pick up uh, speed and, and injure anybody. But Namor throws this uh, big steel structure from the top of the 
Empire State Building, and I there are several trucks underneath it when when they show it. Like I thought it was a school bus because it was a yellow truck, but uh, at one yeah. point. Yeah, it's is, just, I'm looking at it. So it, it says trucking. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, yeah, they make sure to let you know it is not a bus. But there is a woman with, and a child running away. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Right in the foreground of that. So yeah. yeah now that's going to do some damage. Oh yeah. 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 So. Oh, he goes back to the Statue of Liberty. Um, Betty Dean is like she's on the dock. She she you know she wanted to be position herself to like try to flag him down to try and convince him to to leave. You know, leave New York, leave him alone. Oh, Namor, why must you do this? Ha, you should ask that. Please, please go home. Let us live in peace. I'm afraid for you, Namor. Afraid? For me? Yes, the Human Torch is now a member of our police force. I've heard of him. So you think that little flame of his can hurt me? Ha! Oh, oh, Namor. Tell your people I'm not through. And as for the torch, let him come. <laughs> that's, now, that's the end of, of issue seven. Now, that, now, that's a hell of a tease right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it actually makes me wish they didn't have that little blurb in the, in the torch story because mm. this is a better setup. You know, that's just yeah, kind of a little right. like Easter egg. But this is a setup. And because this story came second, um, and this leads directly into the, you know, the next issue, uh, where yeah. that was just kind of a throwaway little bit. Um, I, I I almost wish they left it out. It, it wasn't they, necessary. Maybe they maybe they should have left it with still have like the the chaos at the police station in in the torch story, and someone say like something's going on at either pick a pick a location like something's yeah. going on at the Statue of Liberty or or the George Washington Bridge like there's some maniac you know. But yeah, don't call out specifically that it's uh, na- uh, Submariner. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that 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 would definitely be the way I think I would handle it if I could do an edit, you know. Yeah. Um because this this is this is good. I mean, it's it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, they you know, they're they're specifically, you know, mentioning, you know, not only is he like the other hero, but he's he's on a police force and guess you know, guess what's coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um you know what actually I I think we failed to mention you know in the in the lead up when when Torch became a uh, a cop that there was one little thing that made me laugh is cuz he kept burning his uniform like, <laughs> oh, yeah you're going to bring the first plain clothes you know yep, police officer yep. <laughs> <laughs> and actually there's sorry that made me think of one other thing when when Namor's going on his rampage early on uh he's beating up a bunch of cops and he's like go ahead blow your whistle for all the good it'll do you and there shows a guy blowing his whistle <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah your little whistle <laughs> at one point he gets uh gets fired at uh by a cop and he's like he jumps into a fountain i think and so the cop starts shooting at him and he just like he reaches his hand up and just catches some bullets and it says like the, the little 38 caliber you know rounds or something and he's like oh what are these little pedal pebbles that they're throwing at me you know it's just like he's just so like amused by it at that point but yeah <laughs> that's awesome you know, I, I think it's ironic, kind of, that out of the two characters that, that ignoring the, the Angel and, and the Kazar, all that stuff, out of the two characters that we've been focusing on, uh, you know, Torch and, and Namor, the, the one who feels like they're treading water it has been Human Torch. You know, because, like, the, the storylines are just him meandering through 
I don't even know where he is half the time. It's like he'll be in up north, he'll be up in the woods. I, mean, I guess he's just in New York and he's going into upstate New York a lot of times, but he'll just be in weird places like happening upon a, a racketeering scheme or up north and someone's trying to steal uh, or prevent this town from getting medicine. And it's like, it's like I get that they want him to be just this crime fighter character, which is fine, but until he's like, I want to be a policeman, like, there's no, like, it. I just feel like with the torch, they're just kind of spinning their wheels with, with him uh, versus the, the Namor side of things. Bill Everett clearly had, like, I'm going to take this character, introduce him as a villain, then I'm going to start making him a hero, you know, send him to war, and then I'm going to, like, have him held responsible for his actions and, and then obviously then be put against the, the United States again and... And that's going to lead into the torch thing. It's like Namor, the the Submariner storylines are clearly just more thought out, I guess. Um, I I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that the Submariner story was originally meant to be part of a movie theater promotion to mm. get kids to come back week to week. So right. perhaps Bill Everett had a more you know um, laid out story plan based on the fact that this was meant to be. Each week, right. it was basically supposed to. I, I took it as supposed to mimic the serials that that um, were showing in the theater that kids would go back each week to see what happened next. Where the torch seems like it's more of a. This is just one of the foot, one of many funny books from yeah. you know the late thirties and early forties that where it was just like, well, we just kind of make it. You know, what are we going to talk about this time? Well, how about a racketeer yeah. this time? Um, where yeah, that torch, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, Torch seems to, I mean, not Torch, uh, Namor seems to have more of a world-building, because um, he's got, you know, the whole Lannis thing, and it's just, just everything, and it, and it kind of ties, yeah. it seems like it's more of like a fla- like a Flash Gordon in the water type thing. Um, mm. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's possibly why that seems to be, and that could also be why I think we both kind of said that we seemed a little more drawn to Namor as far as yeah. the, the, the story goes. Um, well, and, and that surprised me. I honestly, I thought I'd come into this uh, really loving Human Torch because out of the two, I, I knew I know that I've never cared for, for Namor. I've just, I've always hated that character like until now. Like I'm, I'm into Namor. Like when I, I, I've talked about it before, like, I'm going through all of the the '60s era Marvel stuff. You know, I've, I've read reading all of Fantastic Four and Avengers and and all that stuff. And then when I got to, I think it's Tales to Astonish is the split book between Namor and Hulk. And I, for the longest time, I guess I tried reading the Namor like side of of the issue, and I just could not get into it because he's just so pompous and just he's just an ass. Um, and then after reading, um, all these issues leading up to this, I, I went into the, the next, whatever the next issue of Hulk and of, of, uh, Tales to Astonish. And I read the Namor side of that story and I really enjoyed it. So it's like, I'm coming to this weird place of like, I'm starting to become a Namor fan, which is just really weird for me (laughs) um, personally. So yeah, I, I, I definitely, I think it's weird too because Torch is meant to be the more of a traditional hero, um, yeah. And then, and then Namor is just meant to be like kind of a, a villain slash antihero, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, his his story and his character is more intriguing in these early 
issues. Yeah. I mean, so that that wraps up our quick uh, recap. And again, yes. we're going to edit out all of this. This was just for you, Brian. Um, so now we can we can go into uh, you know the the battle of the century and and start talking about Marvel Mystery Comics number eight. Yeah, we we can actually do what we were here to to, to do. So that'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah oh well, shit! We were, uh, this this was recording the entire time. Maybe we should just put this out as an episode. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Might as well. Okay. So yeah. uh, so actually, why don't we come back? Why don't we put a pin in it here? We're going to come back in another episode and do the actual event, actually talk about issues uh, of Marvel Com- Marvel Mystery Comics. Oh, that's another thing. You know what, you know what really grinds my gears? Um, <laughs> they, they, they switched from Marvel Comics. You know, they, Marvel Comics number one, and then uh, two through everything else is Marvel Mystery Comics. But every time inside the book... That they refer to, like, in the next issue of Marvel, it's always Marvel Comics. Wow. I, I think that has something more to do with Martin Goodman wanting to change the <laughs> uh, the cover than, than what yeah. was going on with when the with the Funny Zinc guy actually guys wrote the books, you know, themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, I... I I appreciate the effort you put into this recap so you can get me up to speed so I can do now do my job and talk about the crossover that we're here to talk about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think this is a great jumping off point. But I tell you what, I am so stoked to get into these issues next episode. I mean, this is going to be lit. <laughs> do you want cricket noises there? Do you want what kind of sound effect do you want after that? After that uh, dad joke? The, uh, um, you know, Fozzie Bear getting all the stuff thrown at him and all the boo, yeah, or, yeah. or the two the two old men up in the audience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> boo. <laughs> but we'll feel better next episode when uh, when we get into this uh, fight of the century. What did you think of that? I liked it. Oh, you, uh, you like that? No, I just wanted to see what you do if I said I did. Oh. <laughs> Come back next time for the continuing journey with Travis and Brian. Until then, join the conversation over at facebook.com slash groups slash Marvel Events Timeline. On Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Events Pod, or email the show at marveleventspod at gmail.com.